game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. Welcome, everybody, to a Tuesday night edition. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, along with my good friends Drew Doherty and DP Sidhu. Gang, how are we doing tonight? Feeling weird, man. We're not at a Fuddruckers. There's not a burger in front of Drew with fries. And Johnny (laughs) is here. I know, and I'm here. And Mark's not. So there's no milkshake. There's no Fuddruckers. There's no complaining about lack of milkshake. Now He starts complaining at about 635. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I, I mean, I can start complaining about 635. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can probably find something to, something to complain about. But with the regular season being over, we've got no more players show. But we still have all access for the next couple of hours. And then at 8 o'clock, I have Texans replay for you, which these shows that we are doing, you've got to be very happy to hear our voices. Because if you didn't hear our voices right now, then the season would be over because we're in the playoffs and we only continue these shows as the Texans win games in the playoffs. So we are here. We got you for the next couple hours and we got plenty for you to get ready for Kansas City to look back on Buffalo, to look back, to look ahead. We got all kinds of stuff that we've got for you. Kansas City Chiefs writer Josh Briscoe from Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Spent a few minutes with DP. Earlier today, so we'll have that for you. Great stuff from him. He also writes for the Athletic. He covers the Chiefs. And DP, I think you talked to him before the first game too. I did. This, I talked this to year, him. he said, uh, "I think we're going to start speaking about twice a year." Yeah, that's this good. Is the way it's looking, huh. I yeah. said that's fine by me. Yeah, I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Twice a year, would I be, like it. I, now, I would like twice a year here as opposed to <laughs> twice a year <laughs> at Arrowhead. But we'll we'll take we the ambiance is cool there though, especially when I, you win. Yeah. It is cool. I'll take it. Yeah, the the last time we were there had great memories for me, so I'm more than happy to head back. That was a that was a good one. That was my that was my second time there. That was the first time regular season game, but that was that was fun. That was fun. As I was walking off the field, I was probably talking some trash. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully they don't. Hey, hopefully they were about eight deep into beers and they they don't quite remember. But well, for DP and me though, it was much better than, than the, the other the regular season time. game because that was. Case Keenum's first start. Oh, yeah. Undefeated Chiefs. Oh, yeah. You hang with them for a little bit, and then they win at the very end. Mm-hmm. Bum Phillips had just died. It was your right. start. You're right at the start of the downward slide of the 2013 season. And you, you still ooh. thought you were going to win games, though, and you had a hope with Case Keenum, but isn't uh, that that's the game? Brian, well, that was when desperation set in because they were they benched Shaw. And yeah. Brian and Brian Cushing was injured in, in that game. game. You that's lost right. Cushing lost in that game. Right. The the, Second the major, year. the major damage to Arian Foster was starting to happen because he only played like a snap, and then the next week he was he was done. And then you had the Kansas City three, yeah, which we don't talk about too much around here. Especially <laughs> you had to give air. you had to give significant carries in goal line situations mm-hmm. to something called Greg Jones. <laughs> something and, called Greg Jones. Yeah, he was a fullback, a fine fullback back in his he day, was. but he was not a running back. So. Now I'll tell you this. He was a running back before he tore up his knee at Florida State. Right, and that was in then the he 90s. became a fullback. So yeah, well, not that far back. It <laughs> seemed it seemed like it. Greg Jones, the owner of the biggest arms I've ever seen on a college running back, ever. And in fact, and he was put. Uh, let me make this 
clear. He was awesome. He was put in oh, yeah. a tough situation. No, he was not, not. He was not his fault. He was all. not a tailback. He was a good player. By 2013, he was not a tailback. He was playing out of position. Yeah, very, very much so. Probably played in the NFL at tailback one too many times, I would think. But yeah, he was put in that position by some unfortunate things that happened on the field, and then some stupid things that happened off the field. All right, we're, so you know what's on the show. You know what we got for you, and we're gonna finish the show. I think with. I'm looking forward to this because we talk about this often, but we, like, let's just do it tonight. Why not? Let's celebrate some of the great things that Deshaun Watson has done in his career. So we're going to have kind of a pseudo draft. We haven't done a draft in a long time. It's been too long since we've done a draft. So this is going to kind of be like kind of like a draft of plays that we, probably our favorite Deshaun Watson plays. Cool. Our favorite ones. So that'll be be kind of fun because we can look back. and, And I'm sure we all have. Probably some similar ones, and then there are probably some that stand out. We're like, oh, I, I remember that play for this particular reason. So we'll do that a little later in the show. And obviously, this weekend becomes a matchup of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And it was draft night 2017 when those two entered the NFL. And it was some wild stuff going on when those guys entered from picks 10 and then pick 11 was Marshawn Lattimore to the Saints. And then pick 12 was Deshaun. Street players have turned out to be pretty darn good, yeah. and there was a lot of maneuvering to get the Texans into position. So we might look back at that a little bit as well when those two came into the league and then when they met for the first time, which was earlier this year. But let's get this show kicked off with some hot reads. Hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save 15% or more on motorcycle and or car insurance. And DP, what we got? All right, the Texans are headed to the divisional round against Kansas City after overcoming a 16-point deficit. For the third latest, a team has come from behind from down 16 points or more in the postseason to win. You guys can probably guess what one of the other two are. Oh, God. Is it really? It happened here. Oh, it did happen here. That yeah, was going to be the Patriots and Falcons, right? Yeah. Yep, Patriots that was and Falcons. Even later because it happened uh-huh. in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. I was at that game. I could not believe. Yeah. I could not believe. I mean, the Falcons fans, I think, had the most fun during the game. Uh, but then ultimately they left disappointed. But they were they were having a blast the entire game. But I didn't even think quarter. about Patriots Falcons. Yeah, and the other one is 2002 49ers, the wild card game yep. against the Giants. That was a that was a wild game. That was maybe one of the most. That was one of the wildest games I've ever seen. Is that the one with the, uh, the at the end, the the snap went bad on the, the field goal? The snap goes bad. Yeah. Trey Junkin was a snapper, and they just brought him in. He had been a longtime snapper in the NFL, and they had, the Giants didn't have anybody. Their guy got hurt. And so on a, they're down by one, 39-38, and they're going to kick the game-winning field goal. And they had it like, like the Texans do. The Texans have two... I think it's Laramie's one of them, and I don't remember who the other one is, but they have an eligible players, and so they have to declare themselves eligible, which they do, and they end up at tight end. And so when the snap goes bad, basically you take the two tight ends and they just go as far as they can, and then the two wingbacks essentially go to the first down sticks. And so Rich Siebert, number 69, goes down the field, and the punter just launches it. And Siebert's like this you know, huge lineman about ready to catch the football, and he gets mauled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely just That's mauled. Right. I forgot about that, yeah. And there's no flag. There's no. There's nothing. And it, that ball would have been at the five-yard line. They kick it the next play and win the game, and they didn't call anything. I mean, Julian Peterson, outside linebacker for the Niners, just destroyed him. But the Niners had ended up losing, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Giants ended up losing like a 20, I don't even know what, what it was. But they had a huge lead. 
they were just all in the years of the Niners, and then also the Niners came back and didn't win that game. Okay, well, listen. So this this is a repeat the stat. I want to I want you to say it one more time so everyone can hear this. Please. The, the Texans overcame a 16-point deficit okay. for the third latest a team has come from behind from down 16 points or more in the postseason to win, meaning so, two other teams came back at later, at times later in points in the game. And see, I thought That's it, my first two. thought was, well, I guess the Bills against the Oilers, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the other one. And it's not. I went back and looked at that game <laughs> sheet. Yeah. Was that halftime? So, <laughs> no, right no, 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 no. So the Oilers went up with like a minute into the third quarter. Yeah, they went up with 35 to 3. They were up 32 points right at the start of the third quarter. Okay, about five minutes pass. And then from just under eight minutes oh, to point. just before three minutes. So in a span of about six, seven minutes, the Bills peeled off 28 points. Yep. They scored four touchdowns. It was like bang, 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 bang. I mean, it was. I remember watching it like. Oh my, you almost didn't even have the, the, the time for the dread to set in because it happened so fast. Like, oh my, oh my, oh my God. And then they score in the fourth quarter to take a field goal lead. And then just before the, the game ends, mm-hmm. the Oilers kick the field goal to tie it. So, so it was time. midway through the third quarter. It then. was about a minute or, sh- or so before the Texans That's when it scored oh, theirs on Saturday. So, so yeah. the Texans' comeback began. Well, Deshaun Watson scored with one thirty-three yeah. left in the third quarter, so mm-hmm. very late, almost almost the fourth quarter. Texans weren't down by as much, but half, half they were much. down by more later than the Texans <laughs> than the uh, Bills were. It's, it's kind of weird. It's, fu- it's funny because after yeah. the game, my, my husband said, "Now just imagine if you're down by twice as much <laughs> yeah. and you come back to win." Uh-huh. He's like, "That's the opposite of what Oilers fans were feeling." I mean, the then. the Bills in '92, the fact that they did it so quickly. And they did it with a backup quarterback. I mean, they did it with Frank Reich. He was not. He was not their. I mean, their start. I mean, they had Cornelius Bennett and Jim Kelly sitting on the bench, and Reich is just, yeah. just slicing this up. And when when Watt gets the sack and they go up sixteen to nothing, and I mean the place just goes insane. But I just remember having that one fleeting thought of, well, the Oilers blew it. Maybe the Texans would come back. Oh, ha ha ha! Very funny, John. And then. What was key was that very next drive, Duke runs 10 yards in the first run. It was like, that's what Bill told me in halftime. What Bill O'Brien told me in halftime was, Johnny, we got to run the ball. And when they had Duke and they ran the ball, I thought, it's not a bad start. Yeah. Then Carlos got in there and got a few runs in, and then Deshaun goes 20 yards. I don't know what they ran for on that drive, but it was a significant amount on that drive. And it was like that that like got them settled in. Mm-hmm. That got them settled in. And the fact that the, the Bills did settle for field goals – was big, and I mean, obviously, is why the, the JJ sack was that big. But the third latest in in, in, in NFL history, or since the, I guess since the merger, or whatever the case might be, I'm going to say NFL history, or since they started tracking. This yeah, stuff, since they yeah. started tracking, which probably probably since the merger. Since the merger, I would I would imagine. My goodness, there have been some great comebacks. I told this to Mark after the game. You guys, you guys know. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of NFL films. I mean, I know you guys are. You love watching NFL films. So I've been watching it since I've been a, a little. And when I watch all these shows and I watch these greatest game shows and all this kind of stuff, I'm like, man, why couldn't they ever have a Texans game on? And I said to Mark, we finally got one that might make it on to like an NFL great, NFL's greatest game show. Like that might eventually be one of the games that people talk about 
And, and we were in it, and Mark kind of smiled and was like, yeah, because he knows all his calls will end up being on that particular <laughs> show. True. So he absolutely loved it. All right, TP, next one. All right, the Texans are facing the Chiefs. The big question this week, will Will Fuller be in the lineup for Sunday's division round game? Bill O'Brien was asked about it on Monday. He said that Will Fuller still had a few more stages to pass before being cleared to play. Sounds like he's cautiously optimistic, might I say. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about Fuller and where he's at. I saw him before the Bills game mm-hmm. on the field, yep. and he was running some routes and catching some passes, and I I didn't think I had seen that in the weeks prior. Yeah. So when he was inactive, I felt like, okay, he's close. He's, right? close. he's close. So the fact that NFL – NFL Network was reporting it Sunday morning. Like, I turned on my TV Sunday morning, and it said, Will Fuller expected to play versus the Chiefs. Really? Yeah. It said that? They had it on the ticker. Oh, against the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, Against the Chiefs. Against the Chiefs. So, I I don't know how accurate that is because it sounds like, you know, they're going to watch him in practice. Obviously, they don't want him to suffer any sort of setback or anything. Of course. But they're going to keep an eye on him. But I feel feel optimistic as I felt, I guess. I mean, that's that's the way to feel. Hopefully, they've got it right. Because he makes a huge difference. I actually was watching the second half of that game today against the Chiefs, and it just makes a difference just being on a field, just having a guy that you can get the ball to, just another another weapon. And this Chiefs defense, for as much as everybody all this week wants to talk about, ooh, the Chiefs defense is much, much better, much, much better. Uh, it's still the Chiefs defense. It's not the Bills defense. And over the last quarter, about two quarters, including overtime, the Texans went for 280 yards. And a little bit later on, I know after we take a break or so, I want to expound upon this is not the same Texans defense either, okay? So Completely there's different. something different yep. there too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, TP, you got one more hot read? Yes, J.J. Watt. He fared pretty well in his first game back since undergoing pectoral surgery and missing the final eight games of the season. Watt played about 50 of 81 total plays in Saturday's win, according to O'Brien, who said, we'll see how he does during the week and how he's feeling. It's a lot of communication between he and and I and Romeo Cornell. That's according to Bill O'Brien. So they're going to keep an eye on J.J. Watt. Obviously, I feel like 50 of those 81 plays, if you uh, average it out, probably it seemed like he was playing 100% after that sack. Did it yeah. not, Johnny? I yeah. don't remember him coming out. But it was crunch it time. Did, it well, was he, very infrequent. He talked about it. He said, I went through some checklists yep. you know, during the week, and then I went through some checklists during the game. Right. And he said at, in the press conference, he's like, I surprisingly feel a lot better than I thought I was going to. And he was talking about before the plan, the game that w- with the plan in place. Well, they threw the plan out the window, and he started playing basically, like you say, just about every defensive snap after the sack. Yeah. So that's remarkable, and that's really encouraging. I wonder how he felt on Sunday. I wonder how he felt yesterday. But you got to feel pretty good hearing that from a guy who knows his body, who's been in the league for a long, long time, who's been through a lot. I mean, we, we talked about it on Texans Extra Points last week. His pain threshold, it's got to be high because he's an NFL player, but his has got to be even higher because of the stuff he's been through. I mean, his insides pretty much unraveled after the 2015 (laughs) season, and then he had the back the next year that his knee kind of exploded the year after. I mean, he has been through the absolute ringer, and so his pain threshold is high. He feels better or felt better after the game, and the, the pec surgery didn't hurt him like he kind of anticipated it would in the rehab process was easier for him. I think, yeah. I think also the fact that he was able to do his conditioning throughout. Exactly, yeah. He had his lower body. He was able to work Enormous. out. And I think mentally that does a lot for an athlete when they're able 
to at least get some of their routine and their workout, they're they able to maintain it uh, throughout the rehab. Because obviously with the leg and the back, he couldn't do anything. I think with the leg, he said he couldn't walk. He had to relearn wow. how to do everything. The fact that he's playing at this level it's remarkable. again is is really remarkable. He, he did it all last season, obviously, too. Johnny, I wonder if this is setting a trend now for pectoral um, returns after re- pectoral surgery. Oh, yeah. Because there's a linebacker for the 49ers yes. that could play this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Quan Alexander contacted J.J. after there was you know, rumors about J.J. coming back. Quan Alexander suffering the same injury probably about the same time as J.J. did. I can't remember. It, it, it was close. Ba- it was about maybe if not a few days earlier, yeah, it but it was right around that late October time frame. And, and Alexander called J.J. and was like, bro, how, you, how are you doing this? And J.J., they talked for a while, and Alexander's like, hey, I'm going to try and come back. The guy who stepped in for Quan Alexander uh, was Drake Greenlaw, and he's the one who had that key tackle against Seattle that ended the game, and that great game on Sunday night that gave San Francisco a division. But having Quan Alexander back would be big. J.J. talked about his pec injury after the game and said – when I dove for Josh Allen, I knew that was it. If I got up from that, I'd be okay. I'm pretty shocked. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it feels pretty good. There was one play where I, he was, like, rolling out, and I dove for him. And before I dove, I, th- I thought to myself, this, here it is. It's either, either going to hold or it's going to go. And uh, I dove, landed right on it, and popped up, kind of checked it out, looked over to the doctor who was standing, like, 10 feet away, and I was like, it's all right. So... Uh, I mean, obviously we kind of threw the plan out the window there in the fourth quarter in overtime because it's all hands on deck and do what you can. Um, but I'm very pleased with the way it held up. and I'm very thankful to all the medical people and strength people that helped me uh, get here. That's JJ talking about the opportunity that he had in the game on Saturday and whether he was going to be able to make it in that play that he dove for Josh Allen and everything stayed intact, made him feel like he was ready to go. All right, when we get back, We're going to talk about, Drew, what you just mentioned. Why are things different this time? Why are things the same? Why are you excited? What are you worried about? We'll talk about Kansas City next right here on Texans All Access. Fourth and three at the Chiefs 27-yard line. Deshaun puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Watson throwing. And he hits Hopkins for a first down. The game is over. The Texans can kill the clock in Kansas City. That's what it sounded like back on week six. When the Texans went to Kansas City and took on the Kansas City Chiefs, and that will be the opponent on Sunday afternoon, 2.05 Central Time will be the kick. Jim Nance, Tony Romo on the TV call with Tracy Wilson on the sidelines, and then, of course, Mark Andre and myself on the radio call here. I am John Harris. Got DB City and Drew Doherty with that game, week six. Oh, here's one other piece about this. The hmm. Texans are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. Nine and a half point underdogs at a place that they won by seven and probably should have won by seventeen or more. Yeah, were you guys surprised to see that they were nine and a half yes. point underdogs? Yes, for sure. Because it's one thing to be an underdog uh, as an away team, but after coming off the win that they just had, mm-hmm. and then how they played Kansas City the first time around, and then with the Will Fuller news being sort of out there, JJ Watt being back, I, I thought that's. I don't know. If I was a betting person, I would. I don't know if they're going to cover the spread. I'm just saying. I'm not endorsing gambling, but if you were, hypothetically, if I like I were, how you put that. If you were a betting, if you were a betting person, if I was. I, I like that. If I was. That's probably the most straightforward way of saying it. Drew, what do you think? Yeah, it, it is a little bit surprising. You know, I understand them being big favorites. It's a great yeah. team, but it's like you said. I mean, you did you did see 
one team go up there and actually beat them and really just kind of choke them out there. And I yeah. know Mahomes was banged up, but there's a lot of differences too for this Texans team, which yeah. I know we're going to get into in a yeah. minute. But I want to go back to that fourth down play mm. because that was really in sort of consecutive weeks that the Texans kept the ball into Sean yep. Watson's hands yep. late when in the past they probably would have kicked a field goal or punted. Yep. But the week before, I think, was against the Falcons. Yeah. And they went – they threw it to, to Will Fuller, and he winds up scoring a yeah, touchdown. Up, yeah, And then this week you you kept it in his hands. You go to Hopkins. It was a perfect play. I mean, just beautiful. And golly, you had the ball for 13 minutes in the fourth quarter. I thought in that – in the Bills game the other day, when it was fourth and one, I thought that was the play they were going to go to. I oh, thought yeah. that play that we just heard, throw the one it, against yeah. the Chiefs, I thought they would throw it uh, Hopkins against White because you knew Buffalo was selling out. And I understood why maybe you don't do it there, but it it felt like they're, they're going to throw this thing. Then he got under center, and I thought, oh, man, I don't know. That's not – I mean, usually they're going to go out of the gun with, if they do that. And when he went under center, that's why I was kind of like, hmm. Man, I don't know. That's not going to be the play. But I thought initially when they lined up, that was where they were going to go. Then I saw them going to center. I was like, no, that's not what it's going to be. But that we, we haven't seen too many pure QB sneaks either from Deshaun, okay. where he's just kind of diving well, right behind the line in that's, his career. That's my. We've seen him keep the ball and run. When's but, the last time that you remember the Texans executing a quarterback sneak? I feel like Shaw did him. Yeah, I know. Fitzy? Well, Fitzpatrick. The one that I remember was 2016 when Savage got the first down, but then got the concussion. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think we've one. run many, if I, any, I, I quarterback sneaks yeah, since then. Maybe Brock, maybe Brock did it in sixteen, maybe, but that would have been before. I, I don't see. We just haven't gone to the quarterback sneak when we've gone fourth down. It's Sean's gotten the gun. We've run you know RPO or some kind of zone reads. Uh, New Orleans week one, mm-hmm. we ended up running. Uh, he ran zone read on that first touchdown where he got flipped around and landed yeah. on his back. That was off a of zone read. So. When I saw him go under center, I thought, mm, this is this is a little different than they ran quarterback sneak. Ended up not hurting him, but they didn't get it on that particular play. But I thought they were going to go back and use that play against Kansas City. And obviously, game in week six versus divisional playoff round, I wasn't surprised that Kansas City was favored. I'll be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by that. Nine and a half? Yeah. I was definitely surprised by that. That's the highest spread of any game this weekend. And I'm like, first of all, I, I, I could go off on this whole Titans-Ravens game. I just... I know that Dean Pease was defense coordinator for the Ravens when he faced Greg Roman when Roman was at the Niners in the Super Bowl and they did a great job slowing Colin Kaepernick and I get I get all that, but this is a whole different animal. I still I mean Tennessee, they lost two out of the last three games and the only win they got was against us. They played our backups and they went and played a flawed New England team who lost to every single team that made the playoffs but Buffalo. And then, obviously, Tennessee. They lost to them. They lost to everybody. They lost to everybody but Buffalo. They lost to Baltimore, Kansas City, us, and Tennessee. So how good was New England this year? Oh, they got 12 wins. They got 12 wins against garbage. They played the NFC East and the AFC East. That's what they played. Then they played us, the Ravens, and Chiefs lost all three of those games. Then they lost it, and they, they beat Buffalo by a touchdown each time. How good was New England this year? Anyways. Well, speaking of the spread, the, the Dolphins were favored by 16 in, in that Week 17 game against the Patriots. 16? They were a 16-point dog. Yes. Yeah, and, and beat New England. And think about this. How much did things change 
when Fitzy completed a touchdown pass because if Fitzy doesn't complete that touchdown pass and New England wins, mm. I guess where we go this weekend. New England. We go to New England, yeah, and right. Kansas City would have had to have played last weekend, and Kansas City played Tennessee. If Kansas City got beat last weekend, then away you go. Now, right. had had Kansas City beaten Tennessee, then we would have been going to Baltimore, et cetera. So, I don't know, maybe all is well that ends well, but it's just good to see New England get knocked out. Drew, when you look at what's different from this time yes. to last time, what stands out to you the most? Well, listen, I don't want to – obviously, I'm employed by the Texans. We're all employed by the Texans. I don't want to be Mr. Homer here who's saying, okay. look, because the Chiefs, man, that's a damn good team. It and is. They're, they're very, very good. I think they're better than what we saw clearly the first time around. Right. You know, you got Watkins back. Hills, you know, at, at full strength, it looks like. Right. I think Mahomes is probably a little bit healthier. They've got Chris and Jones back. the additions back. on defense. And Jones, yeah. Suggs is making some plays. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a better team. I'm not – denying that one single bit. Texans have their hands full. But but this idea that the Texans just went in there and got lucky mm-hmm. and they had some scrappy little bunch that <laughs> is devoid of talent that went hey, he's still got Watson, still got Hopkins. Fuller it looks like is going to play. You got Stills now too. But that was a key. You just you just kind of glossed over one. Kenny Stills is not playing that game against Kansas City. And we're going to come back to that one. But the mm-hmm. one that really jumps out the most to me is this. Okay, last Sunday against the Bills, Bradley Roby, Gary on Conley were your starting corners. They mm-hmm. played a hundred percent of the snaps. Yep. Vernon Hargraves, the other corner who played in that game, sixty nine percent of the snaps against the Bills. So those guys, Roby, Conley, and Hargraves, pretty much brought you home. Who started and played 100% of the snaps at cornerback against the Chiefs the first time I know around? this one. Phillip Gaines yep. and Lonnie Johnson Jr. They played every single defensive snap, and they played well in that game. But the next week, Gaines' ankle shredded yep. late at Indianapolis, and that was really a bummer for him and for the Texans because he, he gave you some good snaps. Lonnie has has not played lately. He didn't play defensively a single snap last week. And right. It's been the case kind of the last month of the season. Also in that game, Keon Crossan, who's been outstanding for you on special teams this year, yeah. he got 35% of the snaps at corner. You were without Roby for a good chunk of that game. Yep. You lost him in the second half early. And Jonathan Joseph, who's probably going to be active this week mm-hmm. after being inactive last week because of his hamstring, he, wasn't, he didn't play at Kansas City either. So... You've got two, one guy who's not even on the team anymore, another guy who's been pushed – well, two guys who've been pushed back to the special teams. They were the ones playing the bulk of the snaps for you at corner. You've upgraded there, and it's a lot better there. And you're going to need it because of Cheetah, of yep. Kelsey. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're going to have your hands full. Watkins, too. I didn't, didn't say him. So, yeah, it's different. But the Texans are different, and they're armed a little bit better, I think, at the back end of their defense. Yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. In that game, Lonnie Johnson did a l- – he covered Travis Kelsey a bunch. A bunch. And maybe you see that this Sunday, too. I, I would be surprised. Because Gibson's out, and now Jalil Adai, is, he's hobbling, so – I wouldn't be surprised. There are a lot There are a lot of different things that, that I know that I would think about doing against this Chiefs offense, and one of them, I would dare them to run the ball. I would, I would dare them, like, run the ball. Take your five offensive linemen against our five, our four linemen and a linebacker and run it, and see if you can. I, I would, I would dare, I would dare them. Like, go ahead, do it. See if you can run it. Yeah, we we might have we might have dying personnel out here, but go ahead, run it. Take the ball out of your best players' hands. But 
Conley's faced the Chiefs before. He's faced him when he played with the Raiders, so he has knowledge. He's seen this team. Yeah. Roby is a guy that faced Tyreek Hill twice a year and went man-to-man with him, especially in 2018. Roby covered him both games, and Tyreek Hill had probably his his worst games of the 2018 season against the Broncos when Tyreek uh, was being covered by Bradley Roby. So now hopefully you get Roby for a full game. You get J. Joe. You get uh, Vernon, who can play the nickel uh, and can cover inside. It's It feels like it's a better matchup from that perspective. And, oh, by the way, yes, J.J. Watt is back after missing. Now, he did play in that game against Kansas City, but he didn't pile up a bunch of stats, but he obviously took up a bunch of blockers, and Kansas City is quite worried. And, oh, by the way, here's the other one. Oh, by the way, part two, Eric Fisher's back. Yeah. And if you're going, well, wait a second, why does that matter? Well, you remember in 2015 when the Texans played the playoff game against the Chiefs and J.J. got hurt right at the very end? And Eric Fisher decided he was going to drive an elbow right into J.J.'s head as his core basically exploded. Yeah, that was Eric Fisher. So just letting you know that when 99 sees that guy out on the field, they forget all about the fact that they both went to CMU and J.J. is going to be ready for that one. I can guarantee you that. You know, another thing to point out, another guy defensively to look for is Jacob Martin. He didn't record a stat in the last game against the Chiefs, and he's a bigger part of the defense now. We We got the sack last Sunday against the Bills. I mean, I think he's got a role to play, and he plays better like the rest of the guys up front do and the, the guys behind him. With you know, JJ though, in, in, that, in that game against the Chiefs, though, he had a key play on a third down Yeah, right at the end. He didn't get a stat for it, but he ran down Patrick Mahomes from behind. And I'm telling you, when Jacob Martin hits top speed, my goodness. I don't know what his 40 time yeah, was. I have fast. to go look it up. He could fly. I mean, he, I, I liken it to he's like, a, he's like a five-year-old on Pop Rocks. Like he's just all hopped up and just like, boom, we just taken off. I mean, it was it was a it was a hell of a play. It'll be tough to beat these guys. No, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough game. Nobody's but, telling you it's a cakewalk. And, but I, I am but like, I am a little surprised at nine and a half. Yeah, nine and I, a half. Let me ask you though about having the first. I mean, Andy Reid is great coming off the bye. I think he's won more games than mm-hmm. he has on a short week. Obviously, he really benefits from the bye. But is there something to be said for having that week off? And yeah, players are sort of out of rhythm. I heard. I, I, I mean, I've heard analysts talk about this that it could go either way. Like either yes. you get the rest, or you get out of your routine, out of your rhythm, and then it takes a while to sort of get things going. Is it better that the Texans just are coming off a game and it's a normal, normal work week, Sunday game? This is like a typical regular season week for the Texans this week. Yeah, the way it, it's laid out. That that will help, I think, kind of getting back in rhythm. Because think about it, the Texans didn't play their guys in Week 17. And they weren't tremendous in Week 16 at Tampa Bay. So they'd kind of been off kilter a little bit. Kansas City had to play all the way through Week 17 because they had to get that win. So they got their week, and everybody got rest. But the Texans got a lot of guys rest in Week 17, and they came out rusty. So now the Bills didn't, and they kind of rested everybody too. So I think it's kind of it, – I don't know. I think it just – Sometimes it's a break in the game. You kind of need a break at the beginning of a game to kind of get you going. Sometimes you just need a kick in yeah, the like pants. What happens if who knows? What happens I don't if JJ White corrals that pass early from Josh Allen? Who? What know? if Bradley Roby yeah, has yeah. the pick six? Well, exactly. that's, that's my you point. Know. Is JJ's not going to be rusty? J- I felt like I felt like JJ took about that first half to get in to get into rhythm, and and now who knows how much more he plays? But I would yeah. expect it to be more than last week. Yeah, I would hope so. Hopefully. Hopefully you don't have to come back from 16, down 16. But when you went to Kansas City last time, you were down 14. Speaking of Kansas City, let's learn a little bit more about the Chiefs. DP went behind enemy sidelines with Josh Briscoe of Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. And he's also with The Athletic. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines with our good friend DP Sidhu. 
who caught up with Josh Briscoe, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, and also of The Athletic. DP, floor's yours. Joshua, we spoke in week six. Welcome back. How's it going? At this point, it's going great, and I'm just going to pencil in that I'm going to talk to you twice a year for the rest of the time. That sounds great. It's funny. You should be very relaxed coming off the bye. I think that without having a game last week, what did you guys talk about a week on the radio? Oh, just nothing at all. We, we looked ahead to baseball <laughs> season, basically. No, no, it's been, it's been wild, and, and especially with everything partially thanks to you guys that happened over the weekend. Uh, just so much good football this weekend. And then looking ahead for the Chiefs, the, the bye week came at a very good time. I mean, it, it always does. Like, to get that first-round bye was, was huge. And it also comes with the Patriots falling on their face, and then they lose at home twice in a row to two quarterbacks named Ryan. That was apparently the secret the whole time. <laughs> had to have a quarterback playing in Foxborough named Ryan. That, that was, that was the, the secret sauce. So uh, we've, had, we've had plenty to talk about all year long, obviously. And uh, this is this is finally kind of everything getting very, very real. And it happened against the Texans. Feels right. Well, I think that week 17 mood probably was the best in Kansas City with the way the end of the season shook out the the Chiefs beating the Chargers at home. And then, of course, the Patriots losing the Dolphins and then Kansas City earning a first round bye, which maybe they weren't expecting. But has the mood of the city settled down a little bit in the last few weeks? How did Andy Reid handle the bye week with the players? Well, yeah, the mood was, was incredible. But I, I also do think, and it certainly wasn't expected because you needed Brian Fitzpatrick to go into Foxborough. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think that, that the bye week might be, might be more impactful for an Andy Reid team than just about anybody else. He's been so exceptional coming off of buys for his entire career, and he's struggled on shorter weeks more than he usually does. You know, struggle is probably uh, a strong word, but um, I, I, think it, I think it's really, really important, and, and I imagine that he spent this, this week doing a lot of looking ahead to the three potential opponents that they had last week. It was, it was pretty light work out at Arrowhead. Uh, we, we didn't even have, you know, full practices with media availability and all of that last week. Um, now, obviously, it's kicked back into gear. But I imagine that Andy Reid spent that with a lot of time looking forward and a lot of guys trying to get healthy and just fully rest up before this matchup. All right, Andy Reid, he's coached this team to four straight AFC West titles, playoffs in six of the last seven seasons. But what do you think makes this 2019 team and season so different from all the others? I mean, I think I think it's twofold. The one that I actually think is less important is the rest of the AFC. I mean, like this is the first time in a thousand years, other than the Joe Flacco year, that doesn't have uh, Manning, Roethlisberger, or Brady in the AFC Championship game. And we know that after one week of football, like that's football, playoff football, so that's crazy. Um, and, and so the changing of the guard there, I, I think, is just honestly fascinating. Um, but the biggest thing this year is that the defense is actually good. Um, it, the, the Texans gave the Chiefs one of their, their toughest early season matchups. But ever ever since then, and really throughout the season as a whole, the defense has been steadily improving. They brought in Steve Spagnuolo as a defensive coordinator this offseason after firing Bob Sutton. And Spagnuolo has been excellent. The diversity and what he has done with this defense and the way that it's changed, the way he has tinkered and evolved everything um, has been just top shelf. And they, they also brought in a lot of, of different personnel um, defensively last offseason from here. The biggest thing, though, by the way, defensively from the last Texans game, the Chiefs didn't have Chris Jones. They didn't have Anthony Hitchens. Hitchens is, is less of a, of a play-by-play impact guy than Chris Jones is, 
but but he's the the linebacker that sets every everything up there. Obviously, Tyron Matthew this offseason, hugely hugely important. Not to rub anything in, but uh, like I really appreciate Houston not being able to lock him up because he has been enormous for the Chiefs this year. So the the defensive overhaul has to be the first thing. Um, because it's the most different, and it's been not just not bad, it's been really good. Yeah, I'll get to Tyron Matthew in a bit, and I we do miss him around here and seeing what he's been able to do in Kansas City. It's really outstanding. Uh, you mentioned something that Bill O'Brien actually talked about in his press conference this week, that this Kansas City team is actually very different than the one the Texans played in Week 6. It's changed so much, and I think one of the factors also, Patrick Mahomes wasn't 100% healthy the first time the Texans played him, so... He finishes the 27, 2017, 2019 season, first in the AFC in passing yards, second in the AFC in points per game. When did he sort of get over that hump in the middle of the season? What was the catalyst to his turnaround? Was it just overcoming the injury, Was it, or was it something else? Well, so the, the week after the Texans game, they go to Denver, and he has that kneecap dislocation of just unbelievably horrifying. Um, so that happens. He misses a few games. As far as the ankle injury goes, the ankle injury seems to have cleared up while he was out with the knee injury on the other leg. And then he comes back from that, plays pretty well. Um, they, they play in Mexico. They get the bye week and all that. So I, I never, there was never a moment for me at least where I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes might be regressing here. He might be getting worse. That's never been the case. Um, but he got hurt in week one. The ankle got rolled up on against the Jags. Since then, it really was a matter of how healthy is he. He had the hand injury pop up um, a couple of weeks back. So really, it it truly has just been him getting fully healthy and being able to look like Patrick Mahomes again. And even as the offense has been a little bit different than it was in the, you know, complete like Armageddon mode that it was last year, he has still been excellent. He's healthy now. Another reason the bye week is just always the best in this spot. Um, So it's all good news for Patrick Mahomes at this point. I know towards the end of the season, the Chiefs, they claimed pass rusher Terrell Suggs off waivers, uh, which seemed like it worked out really, really well for the Chiefs. How quickly was he able to fit into that system, and how has his addition helped the defense? He stepped in pretty quickly. Like that first week, he got a good amount of snaps. He's, he's helped in a big way, um, but, but probably the, the most important part of that is, is going to involve some names that a lot of people nationally aren't super familiar with. Um, Emmanuel Ogba, the former Browns defensive end, was playing really well. He tore his pec and was out for the year. Then uh, a few weeks later, Alex Okafor, uh, former Saints defensive end, brought in this offseason as well, tore his pec and was out for the year. Um, so the, the defensive end spot was getting was getting thinner and thinner and thinner. They lost Breland Speaks back in the, the preseason. Um, so, so they were down – three like starting or at least highly rotational defensive ends. And so whenever Suggs became available, um, it was, it was a surprise for me whenever they claimed him, but immediately after they did, I thought, well, that shouldn't have been a surprise. He's a positional fit. He's here on a team that, that has very real Super Bowl aspirations. And, uh, and, and he's stepped in and everybody in the locker room has immense respect for him. Frank Clark wears number 55 for Terrell Suggs or because of Terrell Suggs. So it seems like on, on every level, it was sort of a no-brainer that also nobody was really expecting around here. All right, Travis Kelsey, the Texans remember him well from the last few times they've had to play him. He finished with his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. He actually finished with more receiving yards than DeAndre Hopkins. 
Uh, how impressed are you with what he's able to do still this many years in the league and, and especially as a tight end? He's an alien. Like, seriously. I mean, it, it, what he does at that position is, I mean, there are a handful of guys you can point to now in the league, but it, it is such a rare talent and it's such a matchup problem because everything that any defense can try to do if you if you give any one guy the Travis Kelsey responsibility, he is going to fail a high percentage of the time. And so you have to pay more attention to him. Um, the Patriots, especially these last couple of years, um, were famous. Or one of the assistant coaches said that, that they, if they could put Kelsey out wide and they would have a defensive end follow him out there just to chip him at the line up on the sideline. Like they were going to rattle him around, and and teams have done a ton of that to Kelsey. Um, and he's still super productive, but whenever you pay all that attention to him, somebody else opens up, and the Chiefs just have too many weapons for any one guy to get all of the attention, and, and Kelsey demands as much of that as anybody. Yeah, and obviously Tyreek Hill, he cut the two touchdown passes um, in Week 6 against the Texans. What about him? How much does his presence change how that Chiefs offense is run? You, there's, there's a chunk of the last of the Travis Kelsey answer I just gave, but you could copy and paste for Hill. Uh, but obviously, the, the way he does it is specifically very different. Um, he is, I don't want to like just be hyperbolic, but I, I really think that he is one of the most difficult assignments in football because it's such crazy speed paired with his route running consistently improving over the years. And, uh, and he's actually like weirdly good for kind of a short receiver at high pointing a ball and, and being able to make a contested catch. Like he is, he is the full package as number one receiver. And then again, you, you, you just pair him up with all of the issues with Travis Kelsey or now the, um, the slow, but steady, I guess, uh, reveal of McCole Hardman, just insanely, insanely fast and insanely talented from the edges. He's a rookie. But with all of those weapons all working together, each of those guys individually is a huge pain for a defense. But all of them together, it is—I mean, it's—it's it's completely overwhelming. And so, if you're going to do any any amount of sort of critiquing the offense, you could look and, and actually make the argument that over these last few weeks, they could have been even more productive with this whole group. They—they um, they have also won these last several games by a pretty good margin and put up a decent number of points. So. Again, not quite the, the death star that it was last year, but all the talent still being there. Um, I, I expect it to continue being very high firepower draft playoff. All right, let's get back to Tyron Matthew. He was named AP first team all pros defensive back and then second team. He had a second team not as a safety. Obviously, the Texans are very familiar with Matthew. He was, he was a team captain here, even in his one season with the Texans. But how big of a role is he playing out there in KC on that defense? Um. Back on uh, on Monday, I was I was talking to a handful of the other reporters in the in the Chiefs media room, and I was joking about how you know every every two weeks somebody writes a big article about how impactful Tyron Matthew was to step in and and pull the whole defense together, not just on the field but also off the field. And um, I, I it, it's kind of a joke, but it's also true, and it's also been justified. Like, I think he's been the most important player on this defense this year, and I don't know how close it is. He's been exceptional in that role. He, but Steve Spagnuolo must just love him 
because of all the things he can do, not just as like a stopgap or anything, but the things that he can do whenever he's essentially weaponized. Like, hey, Tyron, we'll figure out everything that's going on around you. Help us make sure we're in the right spot. And then you do whatever you whatever whatever creates the, the biggest problem for the offense on a play-by-play basis. He's all over the field, and it seems like he's just about always in the right spot. So that's been huge. The other thing, and actually, I don't. He may have done this in Houston, uh, but uh, this is very inside media. But whenever, uh, whenever Matthew or whenever the Chiefs have uh, their coordinators talk midweek, uh, very frequently they will also have Tyron Matthew come out out to the podium and and address the, the the media like only Patrick Mahomes does as far as as quarterbacks. It's coaches and Mahomes, and then something every other week or so it's Tyron Matthew. He's literally become a voice for this defense, not just privately but also publicly um and and i think that just goes to show how much faith the organization has in him how much he returns back to the team and uh and and how unbelievably impactful he's been on this defense this year tremendous stuff there from dp and joshua briscoe sports radio 810 and the athletic in kansas city we get back we'll go around the nfl some news and notes things that have happened over the last couple days including a Big 12 coach leaving the state of Texas to go to the state of North Carolina. We'll do that next at Texas All Access. We got one hour down and one hour left to go. All the hamburgers have been eaten. All the milkshakes have been taken down. And uh, that's not true because we are not out and about at Fuddruckers, which is sad. We miss that show. I miss it every single week. You do? I miss it every single week. Me, John Harris, not on that show, which I hate, but... You, Drew Doherty, and you, DP City, are on that show. And you guys get to eat burgers and fries and whatever else and experience the love of all the Texans fans. So I know this is not as fun to be in studio without all those people and all of those burgers, but uh, such is life on a Tuesday night for me. I'm not going to complain because this is usually where we are in the off season when football's over, but the fact that we're in here and there's still football to That's be played true. makes me excited because we really could be anywhere. I could be in an igloo right now, Johnny, for this point. week. I don't mind where we do radio. We might be in an igloo when we get to Kansas City. We might be. It's going to be really cold. Do you, I, do you want to do the weather breakdown? Because somebody asked me that. I already looked. Yeah, do the weather breakdown. <laughs> you do it, though. Well, we've got some moisture and a cold front moving through the day before. Going to bring lots of snow through the region, but looks like it's going to clear out and be nice and sunny, but chilly for game day. Going to get up to 42. However, temps for the most part going to be in the high 30s during the game. Should be a good one. Bundle up, wear some sunscreen for those areas that are going to be affected by the sun, and go Texans. That was what that was. If I could do, the, if I could find an applause, thanks. I would Fake give it to applause. you. Right you can there. edit in and afterwards. Yeah, I, I used to be a I don't sports to anchor that. in a TV station. That's really and, good. Uh, <laughs> Jay, I saw that with the weather guy. Uh, is JJ going to come out with bare arms, isn't he? I think so. Oh, He's defensive lineman always Defensive come out lineman, bare arms. offense. Max Sharping to Green Bay. Oh, Max yes. Sharping. Max I mean, Sharping for Wisconsin. Sure. Wait, listen. Hold on. 42 to dudes from Wisconsin. That's jogging weather, actually. That's nothing. No, that's not I mean, that's nothing. It's balmy for them. Yeah. Yeah. And Sharping, I joked with him about it a few weeks back, and he said, yeah, it's just a chance to show off the guns. <laughs> <laughs> really Max, is. Max is very, very yes. calm. It is. It's going to be 60, high as 60 on Thursday, snowing in 30 on Saturday. Yeah. That's what's going to be in Kansas City. So Kansas City did have a huge, huge blizzard for the game against the Denver Broncos. But it does look like it's going to snow on Saturday, but Sunday is going to be 42, as Drew said. So uh, dress accordingly if you are on your way to Kansas City. All right, plenty of stuff happening Around the NFL, Steepy, let's do a little bit of NFL 
hot reads. All right. My first hot read is actually not NFL, but I will get to the NFL. Okay. First of all, Kalia Ohai, I don't know if you guys were living under a rock, but the Houston Dash traded her to the Chicago Red Stars. And the news today, J.J. Watt's Twitter, uh, he's just calling out um, ABC 13 for their headline, Houston Dash Trade J.J. Watt's Fiancé to Chicago. And uh, he quote tweeted the headline with, this headline is trash. Kalia <laughs> Ohai, which is her name, by the way, since you didn't even bother to mention it, is entirely in- incredible, entirely on her own merit, and deserves to be treated as such. Be better than this. And I have to I have to give him a shout out for doing that because every time I see something like that, yeah. it really irritates me. And the and I was trying to remember the last time I saw it, and it was actually Zach Her- Zach Ertz, uh, tight end oh, for yeah. the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his wife Julie Ertz, uh, who played in the World Cup, I, I remember the, I remember the women's was national line. team. Oh, the national team, but she did play in the, yeah, yeah, she yeah, for the, the U.S. For the, women's for the national US team, yeah, women's national team in the World Cup. There was a headline of Philadelphia Eagles tight end. Wife yeah. plays it, yeah, and he, you know, obviously she's a star in her own right. Yep. Coincidentally, Julie Ertz also plays for the Chicago Red Stars. Oh, very nice. I, I felt like, oh, full circle. Very nice. World comes full circle. They are. They're both phenomenal. They are both. Phenomenal. I don't know Good too much her. about soccer. I don't. But either, I've seen. But I've seen some of. Uh, seen some of both of their highlights. Oh my god! Like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, they're really good players. I I had seen. I think her tweet saying. That, uh, or something, a, a, a statement or something saying that she was excited about taking her game to a different level and she thought she could do that in Chicago. So, best of luck. Of course, Chicago Bears fans were like, whoa, bring JJ with. But if I, <laughs> one no. of the pet peeves that I, I have is d- like doing interviews and then asking somebody about like doing an interview with, uh, I don't know, doing an in, in, interview interview with J.J. Watt and asking him about, hey, Deshaun's Watt, Deshaun Watson's great, isn't he? Like, I I hate that. I hate that when people do that. Now, there are times where you have to ask that in certain cases, but it's, you know, this guy's, you know, like uh, Eli Manning was always Peyton Manning's yeah, brother. Yeah, that's a tough, tough You know, it was always that, so... We've got more news. I, I, do, I do want to wrap, put a little button on this yeah. because ABC 13 did reach out to JJ and yeah, apologize. Yeah. So they, ABC 13 wrote, Hi, JJ. Our sincere apologies. We 100% agree with you. Kaylee Ohio is a soccer superstar who deserves her own headlines. We are sad to see her go. She's going to be a force in Chicago. We've loved doing stories on her many talents and accomplishments over the years. Ugh. Yes, I'm glad they did that. Yeah, they needed to. But, you know, she... They needed she, to walk that back a little bit. They did, and, and the fact that she went to Chicago, she is such a great player. Yeah. And, you know, she's she's played a, a all her entire career for the Houston Dash. I think she was the second overall pick yeah. here for the Houston Dash when they were an expansion team. And then she goes to Chicago, and who's a contender. Yeah, yeah. And they make the postseason yep. every year. So good for her for doing that. I think people are worried about how is she, how is she and JJ going to make it work. Uh, people, this this happens all the time. Oh, in yeah. The real world. Professional it sports. Will be, it will be just fine. They have off-seasons, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, my wife and I, I was living in Lubbock, and she was living in Houston for like 10 months before we got engaged. Yeah. Also, you live it's in West Virginia thing. for the They'll be fine. The <laughs> They'll be fine. Love love can travel across state boundaries. Which Drew's very happy going to West, West Virginia every year. <laughs> Hang with Marty. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's good to have a little distance. All right, DP, next one. <laughs> totally going to get Drew in trouble for that one. That's okay. All right, the New York Giants, they hired Patriots special teams and wide receivers coach Joe Judge. According to Ian Rappaport, he informed Bill Belichick earlier today. And, of course, the New York Giants – 
we're going to perhaps hire Baylor's head coach, uh, which will lead you to the next story, mm-hmm. um, who was hired by the Panthers as yeah. their head coach. They sort of swooped in and, and signed him to this rock star deal that I guess he couldn't refuse. Yep. And so now two teams have their head coaches yep. as of today. The, there were five two openings. There were five openings, if I have them right. There were five openings after the Cowboys. And the Cowboys ended up after the Redskins getting Ron Rivera. Then the Cowboys fired Jason Garrett. And 24 hours later, or less than, they had Mike McCarthy as their head coach, yeah. which is fascinating. And so at that point, you had the Panthers, the Giants, and the Browns. Those three were still looking. I think those are the final three. And then... The Giants wanted Matt Rule. The Panthers wanted Matt Rule. The Panthers offered a contract to Matt Rule. Matt Rule then went to the Giants and said, hey, can you match this? And they are like, no. He goes, all right, I'm going to Carolina. See you. That in turn turned the Giants on to Joe Judge, who had been a special teams coach. I like the Joe Judge uh, appointment as head coach as a special teams guy. He's been very, very good. Now, as a head coach, I have no idea. I just like the fact that finally a team went and said, look, you can get a great special teams coach to be head coach. John Harbaugh. Yeah, it worked on him. He was a special teams coach. Jerry Glanville back in the days. Mike, Dick- yes. Mike Ditka. He was special <laughs> teams coach? Bill Belichick. I have right. a list of guys who were special Oh, yeah, Bill successful. Belichick back in the day Marv was Levy, a special teams Dick coach. Marv Levy, Dick Vermeil, Mike Ditka, Bill Cower, Bill Belichick, and John Harbaugh. So just, to, just to name a few. Romeo coached some special teams back, <laughs> back with the Giants. So Joe Judge takes over. And then all the thing about at this time of year, NFL and college are connected. Joe Judge was an alum at Mississippi State. Mississippi State let go its coach, Joe Moorhead. So the long-held rumor was that Joe Judge was going to go down to Mississippi State and go coach at his alma mater and then wake up and you read a tweet that says, nope, Joe Judge is going to the Giants, Rule's going to Baylor, Mississippi State's still looking for a head coach, and now Baylor is looking for a head coach. I'll add to your nugget about Matt Rule. How about this? There's a report, sources, quote the sources, Matt Rule would like – Sean Ryan as his offensive coordinator. Oh. You remember the name, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember do. the name. Did former a nice job here, quarterbacks. Coach. Former Texans quarterback coach who had been with the Giants for a long time, and then came here, and then ended up, I believe, with the Lions. Matt Rule would like him as his offensive coordinator. Well, good so for there's him a Texans connection. That's actually, I think, one of the reasons why. He left here, right. right, was to just sort of go cut his teeth on something else. Yeah, and, and also I think to get in some way, shape, or form opportunities to call plays, to put himself in a position to be a coordinator uh, at some point. And obviously when, when Tim was named, it was probably time for, for Sean to move on. Two highlights of when the Lions came here to practice against the Texans personally. Getting to see Danny Amendola, chit-chat with him on the sidelines because I covered him back in Lubbock. And then also getting to – I talked to Sean Ryan in the halls one day when they were yep. – they were walking the weight room, and he was. We were walking the Great other way. Great guy. Great dude. Yeah. Good to see him. I'm. I'm glad. If this happens, hooray. Number three highlight: yeah. seeing Matt Patricia calling plays on a humongous ATV <laughs> with a Lions logo. How could you forget that? With Matt play, painting, yeah. <laughs> How could you forget that? that yeah. Odd. I think I spent most of that training camp practice just capturing that on video. I was just, and and so was everybody else. I was like, he's because he had his leg in a. He, he was in a boot. He tore his Achilles, boot. I think, in some way, shape, or form, and I can't. I, I know that they Matt shipped LaFleur, it on a truck. Yes. Matt Lafleur tore his Achilles playing pickup basketball. So when we were there earlier in the, you know, we we went there first before the Lions came here. Matt Lafleur was in a in a walking boot, and so he was kind of motoring around. I gave him a little scooter or whatever to motor around in, but he had that walking boot on. And obviously, it paid off for Lafleur. Then. Patricia comes here. He's on that daggum ATV driving around. It's just 
It was massive. I feel like it was he almost, huge. He almost ran over me. We were doing a live Facebook. He almost ran over there's, everybody. There's a few other people that, and I think he mixed it up with some people too that he almost hit. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was touch and go there for a minute there. So you he's know, he's got a little fractious mm-hmm. for a time or two. Uh, Bill O'Brien, the healthiest uh, coach in the preseason <laughs> that, that, that we faced. Yes, yes. Uh, although Sean McVay probably takes the cake, so but he was probably the healthiest. To, to to your point about Matt Rule, Panthers owner David Tepper, the offer. Uh, this is according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. It's a seven-year deal, base value of $60 million, yep. and it can be worth up to $70 million with incentives. Do we see a trend now with head coaches getting paid that sort of amount, like we do I, in college, to get the guy that you want? That's interesting. You know, Dave that's Te- a big investment. Dave Tepper, you, you may, that, that's a key word, the investment. The years to me are the one that kind of get me, like seven years. So basically what Tepper's looking at is it's going to take – probably a year or two to set the culture the way that he wants it set, that rule will then imp, you know, impose on the locker room in some sense, and then continuing to add players. And when you give somebody seven years, you're pretty much assuming, okay, the next couple of years are going to stink, which I would think tells you Cam Newton's not long for Carolina, mm. just due to his injury history, that they're going to be looking for some sort of signal caller. Now maybe rule will say, no, 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 we want Cam Newton – but draft a guy, but maybe I would imagine they're going to draft a guy because you you can't tell me that Will Greer is going to be the future there. That's mm-hmm. that's not going to be the truth. What in, what ends up being interesting too about this is Marty Herney is the the GM right now, but the talk in Carolina was that whoever they got as head coach might act as GM as well, or they would get a younger guy that would serve under Herney, and then Herney would kind of step aside and retire, then the younger guy would take over as the GM. There are a lot of different things going on with Carolina at that point right now. We do know that Matt Rule is the head coach. How they put that together, and maybe that's the best thing that happened to Herney is that Rule takes over as head coach because then Herney can stay in that role as GM. But if I, it remains to be seen what they're going to do there. But seven years as a commitment to a head coach, it's pretty rich, but it does, to me, show – Hey, Matt, we believe in what you can build here and build it to be sustainable, not just, hey, get in the playoffs this one year and you're out. This is such a massive bummer. Like, why are we talking about the Panthers? You know what? This this just makes me think about week four and the Texans <laughs> losing to this team. I mean, that was a critical, critical loss. It would have turned things around. But like, on the whole, but on the season whole, you should have smoked those dudes. You should have. They, they got you with Kyle Allen, who, I mean, there, were, there was talk back then, like, this might be the future at quarterback. You might need to get rid of Cam. I mean, and Cam Newton might not be around, but, I mean, he's an afterthought. Kyle Allen is now up there. And uh, the Texans lost to those guys. But you know what? <laughs> That's true. But I feel like some of these younger quarterbacks, they always play well in their first few games. And then once teams yeah, get enough film on them, on them yeah. then, then teams make adjustments to them. But, I mean, well, you, you are going to lose. I mean, I would have rather have lost to the NFC teams. Than in your division because yeah. then it would be a whole different ball game. About yeah, where we'd but be if you're gonna lose to an FC team, lose to an FC team that doesn't suck. And the <laughs> well, Panthers we, we, suck this well, year. The Texans lost we to the Saints. That day. They, they lost to the Saints in Week One. Yeah, the so Saints they, didn't suck, but and they their kicker. What did the Saints and Panthers have in common? Missed a field goal this weekend that he would have made in Week One. So, yeah, you know. well, you know what the Saints and Panthers have in common? They're both sitting home, That's figuring right. out what they're gonna True. do for 2020. True. And now the Panthers have a coach, and now Baylor is looking for a coach. John McClain, get on the phone. Got stuff. You got work to do. Dominoes falling. That 
It's the way it works. All right, DP, you got one more? Yes, Mike McCarthy, the new Cowboys head coach. He has made it clear he would like offensive coordinator Kellen Moore to stay in Dallas as a part of McCarthy's staff. That's according to NFL Network. The Cowboys are also expected to hire Mike Nolan as their defensive coordinator. He spent the past three seasons with the Saints as their linebackers coach. So things coming together in Dallas. I'm actually really glad because – the coach, Jason Garrett, coach watch on NFL Network was making oh, me was go brutal. crazy. I was just trying was to watch the playoff coverage, and it was just like, oh, uh, Jason Garrett is now in a meeting with the Jones. He has now exited his meeting with the Jones. Now he's scheduled, he's preparing for his next scheduled meeting with Jerry Jones. Like, it was just, how many meetings does it take to fire somebody? I just don't, I didn't understand. And then reading about Mike McCarthy staying a night at Jerry Jones' house was so like, <laughs> it was like such an eighth grade thing. Oh did my God. breakfast in bed? Or did he eat down in the dining room? Did they watch TV at night together? And right. then, okay, I'm going to bed, Mike. Okay, Jerry. I mean, like, Mark and I talked back. about that a little bit. It's a little weird. Like what happens if, you know, Mike's going to go to the bathroom and then Jerry's going down to like get a drink or a snack and like, hey, Jerry, hey, Mike, how you doing? And then did I'm they good. drive to the stadium or did they take the helicopter? Because he lives in right. Highland Park, which is it's about 20-some miles away from that stadium. Wow. I don't know. But I just I had I had a chuckle when I thought about McCarthy staying at, at Jerry Jones' house. Uh, but they got it. I, I will say they could very easily. That was, an, that was an easy decision to get wrong. I don't think they got it wrong. I don't think it's a grand slam home run, Mike McCarthy. But I think as far as somebody that could work with Jerry Jones, I think McCarthy will be okay. I don't think it'll be great. I don't think it'll be tremendous. But I think he's got enough talent, and he won with enough talent in Green Bay. And I think he'll be rejuvenated. I think they'll do some things. See, I think it's telling, though, that you got to put the asterisk by him already. You know, I, well, think, I think the only situations by where who? it was by McCarthy? by McCarthy, because I think the only situations where it's been pretty dang successful – we're with Jimmy Johnson, and then the offshoot with Barry, because I, I do think Barry Switzer needs credit. He won a Super Bowl. Right. And then with Parcells, where they were running the show for the most right. part as far as personnel. Now, Jerry came in and, and made some decisions, but they had a lot more latitude than some of these other guys, like the Chan Gailies, the Dave Campos, yeah. the Jason Garretts of the world. I'm interested to know who would have taken the job with Jerry lurking. Who has enough gravitas? Like, Parcells had enough gravitas to yeah. be able to say, ah, if you want me, I'm doing it my way. Right. And Jerry yielded to that. Who had and enough had gravitas? To the, he had to get the stadium built, too. Right. So he had to win. Who had enough gravitas to be able to say to Jerry, look, if you want to do this right, hire me, but then you stay out of it. Is Jerry ever going to do that? I, I don't that's think what I'm saying. I think it's right. easier and said that's, than done. And that's, and that's my, and that's my yeah. point to, about Mike McCarthy, and that is as far as what was kind of a – in the middle of the road, sort of, there's a guy that at least yield to Jerry that does have some skins on the wall. Okay, Mike McCarthy's not a bad thing. And You're going to go with a college coach that's not done it? And I think it's very it. telling that you got to talk about that. I think that's – You're it's already, very you're already, you're already no doubt. hobbling yourself as a franchise. He's GM. Yeah. He's never going anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. When we get back, Mahomes and Watson, draft night 2017. It changed the fortunes of two franchises. How did it all go down? We'll have it for you next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Tuesday edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And the Kansas City Chiefs are on the horizon. And in 2017, the fortunes of these two franchises, the Texans and the Chiefs, and if you think about it, well, the Chiefs used to be the Texans, and now the Texans are the Texans and the Chiefs the Chiefs now, if you follow all that. But in 2017, draft night, Things changed. 
for both of these organizations. They each made a trade to move up and select their respective quarterbacks. And it started on that night at around pick 10. Just after pick 9, the Cincinnati Bengals had drafted John Ross when we got a notification during the draft that the Chiefs had indeed made a deal. The Bills on the clock, but they make a big deal. Robert, what do you got? The Bills have traded out of the 10th pick with the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been looking for a quarterback in this draft, but they are drafting at number 27 and knew they'd have to move up to get him. The Chiefs have moved into that 10th spot, presumably to get a quarterback. In exchange, they give up the 27th pick. They exchange first-rounders with the Bills. They give up a first-rounder next year in this trade, and there's conflicting reports on what the third pick involved is it's either a second or a third this year that the Chiefs got to be a two. It's got to be a two. I know you give up a one and at least I think two threes or one two. You clearly flipped Is this from Holmes or Watson? I don't know. Do we know, Robert? Early reports indicate that it is not Deshaun Watson. And it didn't take long to hear what would happen at pick number 10. With the 10th pick in the 2017 NFL draft So after the New Orleans Saints made Marshawn Lattimore, the corner from Ohio State, who would turn into a tremendous player for the New Orleans Saints, the pick at number 11, well, that left an AFC North team on the clock. Cleveland is next at 12. Mahomes is gone. Trubisky gone. Watson's still there. That's right. Three quarterbacks were going to go in the first round of 2017 draft, and two had come off the board already. Mitch Trubisky went pick number two. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes went to Kansas City at number 10. But at pick number 12, Cleveland still had that pick for the time being. And then life in Houston as a Houston Texan fan changed for a long time. We have a report here about the Cleveland Browns selection being traded to a team we're very familiar with. Robert, what do you have? The Browns with their second pick in the first round. Early reports indicate that they have traded out of the 12th pick, and the Cleveland Browns reportedly have sent that pick to the Houston Texans. (laughs) Fans obviously were pretty fired up at that point when the trade was announced. That's our buddy Robert Hensley giving the news. A few minutes later, we eventually heard who the newest Houston Texan would be Let's go to the podium and hear from Roger Goodell. With the 12th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Deshaun Watson, quarterback, Clemson. It's one of those things you will remember when you heard it. These two players that will meet on Saturday were selected Probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe a half hour apart. Maybe less than that. Maybe 20, 25 minutes apart. They were both traded for. Both ended up in the AFC. And they have set the NFL world on fire. Deshaun threw 19 touchdowns in his rookie year. In 2018, Pat Mahomes threw for over 50 touchdowns. It was the NFL MVP. And they finally met on Sunday October 13th 
in Kansas City. It was the first time these two quarterbacks would take the field against one another, and they did not disappoint. Two receivers to each side. Oh, we had moving on the Texans' side, it appears. Mahomes back to pass. He's got all day. He's going to throw downfield to the end zone, and it's caught by the Cheetah, and he gets across the goal line for a touchdown. Unbelievable. A free play. Are you Somehow Tyreek Hill catches the ball in traffic and scores. Patrick Mahomes did that. Then Sean Watson had himself a day as well. Second and 10 at the Kansas City 42-yard line. Watson fakes the handoff, steps to his right, dumps it off short, got a man, and it's Aiken shaking a defender and taking it down to the 30-yard line, tackled by Ward. The Texans get a first down on a 12-yard pass play. A little while later, Watson found Duke Johnson. Second and seven at the Kansas City 11. Watson takes the snap. Deshaun looking, throws underneath. Got a man at the five, twisting down to the two-yard line. Duke Johnson, first and goal, Texans. A little while later, Texas would score. The Chiefs would answer. First down at the Houston 14-yard line. Here's the snap. Mahomes with a little time and screen pass. Right side, 10, 5, end zone. Williams, touchdown. Man, it was just back and forth with these two quarterbacks all day. Right near the end of the half, Deshaun did this. First and goal at the three. Johnson in the backfield with Deshaun, who's in the gun. Here's the snap. Watson looking. Taking his time, stepping out to the right. Deshaun wants to run across the five, and there's a flag down in the end zone. Watson runs in for the touchdown. But Mahomes would answer. Potentially a gigantic play here. Third and goal from the six for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's the snap to Mahomes. Mahomes with time, scrambling forward. Throws it right side. He's got the cheetah for a touchdown. Man, I mean, just did it all day long. But... Watson would be the king on this day. Second and 15 at the Chiefs 19. Hopkins slot left. Here's the snap to Deshaun. Looking. Watson stepping out to the right. And he throws underneath. He's got a man across the 10 fells. Plowing to the goal line. He's not going to get there. He'll be stopped inside the two. First and goal Texans on the pass play to Darren Fells. And who would finish it? Second and goal at the one. Deshaun calls for the ball. Here's the snap. Watson fakes the gift. Steps out to his left. Watson wants to run, and he dies for the goal line. He's in! Deshaun Watson twisting his way into the end zone to grab the lead for Houston. And Deshaun had one final nail in the coffin. Fourth and three at the Chiefs' 27-yard line. Deshaun puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Watson throwing, and he hits Hopkins for a first down. The game is over. The Texans can kill the clock in Kansas City. Man, when I tell you those two went at each other, and they will do that again on Saturday. Back and forth. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. It's a real joy. If you just take the bias out of it and just watch those two men operate at quarterback, it is phenomenal. Now, you put the bias in it, and we want Deshaun Watson to do well. But the Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans changed the fortunes of their franchises with those two picks about 20 to 25 minutes apart. All right, we get back. Drew, Deepy, and I will have a little bit of a draft. A draft of some of Deshaun Watson's greatest plays as a Texan. You know what? Let's have a little fun to go back and look at what he has done. After what he did Saturday, let's do that again next on Texans All Access. We have one final segment of this Tuesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John, Drew, Deepy with you this evening. 
Following us at 8 o'clock, I will, I'll stick around at the studio. We'll do a little Texans replay and go back and relive the win over the Buffalo Bills, their ultimate 11 plays of the weekend. And I, I'm not going to break any news to you, but number one is probably a play we're going to remember for a very, very long time. Now, I went back and forth on what I thought the, the number one play in that game was, but I think we all know. I think we all know. So, you know what? Here's what play number one sounded like when it happened. Second and six at the Bills, 44. Here's the snap. Here's a blitz. Watson in trouble. Watson escapes to the right side. And Watson throws it to Jones. Cutting inside 40, 35, 30. The 25, 20, 15. And down to the 10-yard line. What a play. The magician does it again. Shaw Watson, one of his famous escapes. And later that night, I, ju- I jumped into uh, – I went into Mark Vandermeer's office, and we were kind of talking about it. He said, you know, he said so many of those. We should do a show in which we kind of discuss his greatest escapes or greatest plays. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it tonight. The three of us. Mark's not here. Yeah. He gets the call of them. But we get to pick which ones we would want. And Drew said earlier, you know, we haven't done a draft in a long time. So let's do this. Let's draft the Sean Watson's – Greatest plays as a Houston Texans. As a Houston Texan. How about that? We haven't done a draft in a while. Cool. So let's do it. Who would like to go first? Do we go in alphabetical order? DP, Drew, John? Let's go with DP. You go first. All right, DP, you can go first. Oh, this is a lot of pressure here. I know. It is a lot of pressure. So yeah. we'll see how many rounds we can go. We'll fit it in right. based on our I, time. I, I, I can't rank them this quickly, but I'll just rattle off some you of my favorites. You pick your favorite one because this is the number okay. one. The favorite is it might be the one we just heard it's up to and that you. was definitely my favorite but i i wrote a whole story about this other play so that's why it's jumping out in my in my mind it was against the falcons third and seven watson in the gun bunch formation left hopkins short side right here's the snap he's got a lot of time he scrambles out to the right now he's scrambling back to the left and he loses the football he picks it up he's running with it across the 45 to the right side not across the 40 first down oh my goodness Texans won 53-32, so obviously, the, you know, it wasn't the, the play that the, won the game the way this one did. But there was a play where Deshaun, uh, the pocket collapsed, he fumbles the ball, <laughs> scoops it up, and then gets a first down. <laughs> that was a fun one. Like, exactly how you plan it. So I wrote, I wrote a story about it because Laramie Tunsil, I remember after the game, he was asking the people, the, the media in the locker room, he's like, did you all see that play? Did you all see how that happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, he was still in a... A state of disbelief and shock that that had actually happened. It was still pretty early on for him, so I, I wonder if he's used to it now or if he's still shocked like the rest of us when Deshaun makes plays like that. And then Bill O'Brien said the same thing, that after uh, the game in his notes, he had jotted down, that's just great coaching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how that was supposed to go down. He dribbled the ball to himself, basically. When the Texans were down 7 to nothing in that game, they were down 7 to nothing in that game, and he fumbles that ball, it's trouble. And he did fumble it, but he got it right back up and got the first down. I and remember it was him. Third, it was third and seven. Yeah, and I remember him chuckling afterwards, like, yeah, I just got away with one. And then he proceeded <laughs> to light them up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It was it was phenomenal. All right, Drew. So your f- first Watson so hard. greatest play. This is so hard. I'm gonna the eye kick I think is his is his best one. Oh, yeah. But this this one that just happened to Taiwan Jones. Second and six at the Bills, 44. Here's the snap. Here's a blitz. Watson in trouble. Watson escapes to the right side. And Watson throws it to Jones. 
Cutting inside 40, 35, 30, the 25, 20, 15, and down to the 10-yard line. What a play. The magician does it again. It's, it's the recency thing with me, but more so than the play itself, I'm always going to remember the cut to him on the video board, which, <laughs> oh, was, yeah. which was also right. going on the, on television too, yeah. on, on NBC, or excuse me, on ESPN, him flexing. And the crowd was already at just like a fever pitch, and they went bananas when they saw him flexing and looking into the camera and doing that. It was awesome. I mean, I'm up in my perch at the deck doing getting ready for the postgame show. Yeah. And so I'm in the northwest corner on the 500 level. It's, it's a really good view looking down kind of in a corner. And multiple times there in the fourth quarter and in overtime, I've got the headsets on, but I'm standing up cheering, you know, like a fan. And multiple, multiple times I was yelling throughout that fourth quarter and, and overtime, Look out! You know, yeah. He was about to get smoked, and he would he would always get out of it. He'd pump fake and run for a little bit. Well, he got drilled by both those guys, and it looked so much worse from my vantage point than it wound up looking on TV and still looked pretty tough. But he writes himself and gets it to Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones, man. He's got some speed, too. He does have some wheels. He's got some speed. There's no doubt. And so that happens, and you know what's coming next, the, the, the field goal, but mm. he flexes at that point, and it was like when J.J. Watt, in 14, score touchdowns here in this building. They wouldn't go and do, you know, they'd go to break, but they wouldn't do, like, a promotion or anything. They'd just stay on him, and the crowd goes crazy, and then they'd show people in 99s, and the crowd would go crazy, and then cut back to him. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole turn down for Watt is playing underneath. It was, it was like that type of moment. It was awesome. All right, we don't have to, we don't have to snake this draft, but I feel, I feel as if I should take eye kick. Okay. Like I, I kick I should be the one yeah, that it should that, be number two. Absolutely. It, it yeah. should be. I should have taken. It should bad. be on this <laughs> list, and I and I don't. I think the one the there's one that's standing out in my mind, but I feel like I can save that, so I'm gonna save it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna take the obvious eye kick. First and goal at the nine. Deshaun calls for the ball. Here's the snap. Watson looking. Pocket collapsing. Watson trying to get away. He does to the right. Throws to the end zone. Caught by Fells. Magical touchdown. Houston and the Texans take the lead. Down by three, Deshaun Watson, touchdown pass to Darren Fells to take the lead against the Oakland Raiders in a game in which the Texans have been down the majority of that game and somehow, some way, being sacked by Arden Key, he pulls off his wizardry, puts his eye back in its socket, basically <laughs> blind, and throws a touchdown pass to Darren Fells. Now, yeah, that was amazing. Those, those three were all escapes, so... If you want greatest play, you can throw greatest play. It doesn't matter. You can Most throw whatever. Most of his greatest plays have involved escape. That's true. All right, DP, you are up next. Uh, I'm going to go nostalgia. I'm going to go to his first start at Cincinnati, the 49-yard touchdown uh, that he had. It's, That's an escape. That was an yeah. escape. And, yeah. I mean, we'd never seen anything like it. On third and 15, Deshaun gets the snap. A little time here. Now pocket collapsing. Watson scrambling forward. Watson avoids a defender. Running to the right. The 40. Watson 35-30. Watson 25-20. Right sideline. 15-10. Cutting inside. Rock and roll. Deshaun Watson. Touchdown, Houston. I don't remember. We've seen so many quarterbacks come through here, and I don't think any of them could have just pulled that off. It was just the beginning. The excitement. You just knew what you were on the precipice of with him. And I think that... That was just one of my favorite moments of him because he had there was so much pressure on him. It was a primetime game. It was a short week. He hadn't even been named the starter, but just a few days earlier. I don't even think he was named the starter. You know why I remember he that? He was named the starter because well, he was 
he he was pulled out of that Jackson. He was he played in that Jacksonville. He game. played in Jacksonville game, but but Bill, I don't think had ever said fully that he was oh, the starter. Maybe not. I don't. I thought he but, was for but some reason. He he might he might have been. I just don't ever remember it being official until like right before the game, and you see him warming up. And I think we all knew he was going to start, but I don't know that Bill ever said it fully that he was the guy. And then when that game was over, it was like. Okay, yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, he gets like on the. He gets there's on no our, question who the guy is. He gets is. on our bus pregame. It's that guy. He gets on our bus at the hotel, and he's got a tuxedo basically on. <laughs> with sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> and he sits at the front of the bus, just listening to his music with sunglasses on. It was his, his birthday. Yeah. And he turned It was his birthday, and we're Happy like, birthday to Sean. This guy? All right, we'll see. And then he, from that point on, it's like, into Sean we trust. All right, Drew, your second one. I got to go with the escape at Philadelphia. Oh. I mean, that was just, I know they didn't win, but it wasn't. He he did everything he could. I mean, you know, the defense was on the field last, but he got them in position with that pass to Jordan Aikens. Third down and 11 from the Houston 44. Crowd revs it up. One back for him and Hopkins short side left. Three receivers to the right. Here's the snap. Watson in trouble. Watson trying to escape. Watson trying to run out of trouble. He does, and he throws downfield, and it's caught. Oh, my goodness, at the 35-yard line by Aikens. That was just, especially the, the situation it, where he was. Yeah, that was a big comeback too. Yep, they were down big in down the fourth. Two, two scores in the fourth. That poss- you know, the reigning Super Bowl champions, nasty crowd, nasty environment, and that was just a big one. I was standing next to you on the sidelines for that one, John, and that was that was a huge, huge play. Yeah, that was that was an amazing one. I'm going to go to one that I don't think people are going to remember, but I'm going to combine. I'm going to combine a couple of things, but. We played the Chiefs in 2017. I don't yeah. think many people remember this one. Played the Chiefs hands. in 2017. Watson on second down. Fakes to give. Gets away from a would-be sacker. Throws it deep downfield for Fuller. And Fuller's got it. Touchdown, Houston. The bomb from Deshaun Watson to Will Fuller. Just flat out amazing. 48-yard TD pass. The Watson show continues. In Houston, my goodness. And he goes back to pass, and a defensive lineman is on him dead to rights. And he takes his right hand and he swats him. So he switches the ball so he can swat the guy. He then switches the ball back to his right hand, and mm, Will Fuller is running right. down the field the other way, and he just he launches. And we were down at that point, I think we were down th- uh, we were down by two scores. I remember that. We were down uh, 26-13, I think it was. And he launches for the end zone. And Will Fuller catches it, and the crowd went berserk. And then you watch it on replay, and you see what he did. Swatting away the Just tackle. Wild. Gets away from him, sets his feet, and then launches deep. I, I've i seen that play a million times, and I still am not. I, every time I see it, I'm like, he's going to get sacked. Oh, no. <laughs> God, I know what's going to happen. And he did that against the Chiefs. So that's going to be my second one. 2017, Sunday Night Football, down two scores, the bomb to Will Fuller. That will That's going to be my, my number two. We've left – I mean, there's there's so many – got to go to third round. DP, we might go beyond that. All DP, right. what do you think? I'm going to go a drive. It's a really short drive, but oh. week one <laughs> at New Orleans. That's a good one. That's a good uh, one. You know, 50 seconds left. You're like, oh, my gosh, 50 seconds left. Is this enough time? Well, Watson completes a pass to Hopkins for 38 yards. First down, Texans at the Houston 25. Watson in the gun. Texans down six, 50 seconds to go. Deshaun gets the snap. Four-man rush. Watson stepping up. 
He heaves it downfield to his left, and he's got DeAndre Hopkins, who's wrestled out of bounds in Saints territory. Wow, at the 37-yard line. What a play. Follows it up with a 37-yard touchdown, and boom, just like that, the Texans are up 28-27 over the Saints. On first down from the Saints 37, here's the snap. Deshaun firing downfield, and he's got a man. Stills, touchdown, Houston. Oh, my goodness. That, that was that entire drive. I just thought that was – I can't believe that It's so happened. funny you said it's an entire drive. It was like 13 seconds worth. And it's over. And it's right. done. And we're done. Done. It's over. It, that, was unbel- that was unbelievable. I just remember him – one of the things I remember about that game in particular, I happened to be standing right at the 25-yard line, and the yardstick was in front of him. So I was a couple of yards beyond it, and I watched him walk on the field, and he's, the guys are in the huddle, and he's coming out, and he's just walking out because it was coming out of a TV timeout. He's walking out to the huddle, and I look at the clock, and then I hear Mark say it. It's like 50 seconds, one timeout. This is what they've worked all training camp. It's what they do in training camp. Can he do it? Got to score a touchdown. Can he do it? Yeah, he can do it. He did two plays. <laughs> he should have taken longer. It was, I know. It was like he, he actually too much less, time left. He, I know. He, he needed to take more time off the clock. Who now knew that was going to happen? All right. So, DP, that leaves you with Falcons. The fumble to himself. The 49-yard run against Cincinnati in 2017 as a rookie. And then week one this year, his two-play drive. Third, went 75 yards, two plays in 13 seconds. All right, Drew, you've got the play from this weekend, the throw to Taiwan Jones escaping two Bills blitzing him. You've got the escape, as I call it, at Philadelphia in 2018, throwing the pass to Jordan Akins. Your third one is? Well, I'm tempted by many on this. I'm tempted by two plays from Seattle. The bomb to Fuller, oh, the oh, screen nice to Hopkins. Yeah. Yep. I'm not going to go with those. I know what you're going with. I'm, no, you just want to rattle off all the plays. I'm tempted by like. two plays from London: the Jordan jump, and oh one yes, where he's getting sacked, and he just flips it back to Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Second down and six at the 23-yard line of Jacksonville. Deshaun fakes the handoff, looking Watson in the pocket in trouble, and he dumps it off to Hyde. Hide across the 20. Hide to the 16-yard line. First down, Texans. Oh, my goodness. He does wow. it again. Wow. Tempted to go with those. Oh, you should. But, but I you're gotta, not. <laughs> I got to go back to his second start at New England, 2017. Oh, yeah. And the Texans are up. Already a point. Late. First down at 20 from the Houston 23. Watson gets the snap. Deshaun stepping to his left. He's in trouble. Watson scrambling. Watson escapes to the right side. Watson throws right side. He's got Foreman across the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50. And Foreman is down at the 46 of New England. New England can't really, they can't really wrap their mind around what they're seeing because usually the Texans come to town and the Texans leave uh, as losers by double digits. That wasn't happening that day. He was another time about to get sacked four different times on a play. And he winds up dumping it to Foreman, Deontay Foreman, and he scampers 20, 30 yards and gets the Texans down. I mean, that play was bananas. And I remember yelling on the sideline, it's not so much fun when the Texans have a great quarterback, <laughs> <is> Oh, okay. <laughs> and that was just such a cool, cool moment to see him playing like that. But I love that you rattled down your list because I totally forgot about the flip to Carlos Hyde yeah. in Jacksonville. That was going to be in my... London. Yeah, it hasn't was... been picked yet. It was going to be my third, but you kind of – I don't he want to say you kind of took it, but he kind of took it. But you can still take it because he, he kinda, technically didn't. He kinda, I would have taken it. He kind of took it. I don't know that I can. <laughs> I, I, he kind of took it. That's not. That's 
That's uh, completely that was, that okay. That was a heads-up play by both those guys because Carlos oh. Hyde said he just looked at him and he, he had a feeling he knew what Deshaun was about to do. So uh, I just, I'm impressed with both of their wherewithals in that. Uh, you know what I'm going to go with my third one? Um, it's I'm going to go with this one because it's his only touchdown catch that, that he's ever awesome had. One. That was okay. an awesome one, yeah. And it was one heck of a play designed by Bill O'Brien. It was a great job running the option by DeAndre Hopkins. It was a great catch. He catches it with one hand, dives in the end zone, then he does the little you know dance at the end showing the power and then flexes again. I'm going to take the touchdown reception Good against one. New England in 2019 on Sunday Night Football. First and goal from the six, Deshaun. Hands off to Johnson. Now to Hop right side who flips the ball to Watson. Diving for the pylon. And he's got it. Razzle dazzle. Touchdown Houston. That one to will join, do it. To join Arian Foster as the only Texans <laughs> in franchise history to throw, catch, and run for score. Mm. That's amazing. That's a fun fact. Yep. That is a good fun fact. Gang, this was fun. Really appreciate Thanks, everybody John. sticking around. Thank you so much, Drew, DP. To all of you for listening, Texans replay is up next. Do not miss it. We go back and look at this Buffalo Bills wild card win and crazy, crazy afternoon. And we break it all down, so you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.